Hey, uh, really glad that you're here this weekend. Um, so we're in the middle, um, uh, this week and then next week I'm going to wrap it up. We're in the middle of a series where we've been unpacking this, this phrase called spiritual formation. And spiritual formation is just what it looks like. It means that something inside of us is changing. It's, it was like this and now it's being formed into something better spiritually. And that, Jesus is doing that. What Jesus taught us, this is what we've been unpacking and we're going to do it again today, is, is that the more we get to know him, who he really is, not the weird, crazy versions out there, get to know who he really is, what he really says. What he, what he really wanted, what, what he really promised, the more we get to know him, it just changes us on the inside so what comes out of us is better, right? And that process, he says, is called eternal life. And again, if you've been around church world very long, all right, there's a lot of versions of what that means out there. So what we've been trying to do is go back to the original Jesus and go, what did you mean when you said things like eternal life? And this is our memory verse, because you memorized it because you're, no, you don't. All right, so, all right, so. So let's just say this out loud together. One, two, three. This is Jesus talking. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so eternal life is what we got to get in our heads. It's not something that happens after your funeral and you go someplace else, and now eternally you'll be with him. It certainly includes that. But Jesus, he, he said, it starts now. The moment you bump into him and begin to know who he is, he changes you and you live in his presence like now, in ninth grade, now, right? At in, in Monday, at work, right now, when you go to dinner after, after this, right? it, it's right here. Eternal life is here. And the more I get to know him, the more I understand what life is actually all about. Does that make sense? All right, so last week I asked this question, like where does that happen best? Like what's the best environment to really get to know Jesus and, and where, what's my best shot at actually pursuing spiritual formation? Where, what, where can I put myself where actually something might change on, on, on the inside? And here's where we landed last week, if you weren't here, is it, it, this, is that we learn in rows and that's what we're doing right now. We're going back to the very first church, like the first version out of Jesus' head, because this was all his idea, right? They would get together in, in big groups, in a temple, in a field, whatever that is, and somebody you know, like me would stand up and go, this is what Jesus said, this is what he promised, this is what he said is true. And they would like, I don't know if they were in rows, but there were a lot of people, all right? So we learn, and, and that's what's happening right now, we learn in rows, but we change or something grows inside of us, certainly in here, but better in circles. And you know what I'm talking about. Something happens when you sit in here and go, well, that, hmm, I got to think about that. That makes sense. And what's, what do you do? You get together with some other people and go, do you get that? I mean, do you want that to be true? Or why can't I believe that that is, is true? And so, so we, we learn in rows and then we grow in circles. And last, last week at all of our campuses, thousands of people went out to the lobby and go, I want that. I, want, I talked to a guy at the gym this morning. He goes, Jim, that, last week, you know that, that group thing? That's, that was good. I went, great. He goes, I had five men from my gym email me about starting a group. I said, you ought to do it. He goes, we start Friday, all right? And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. So where's the best place? I, it's not the only place, but this is a good place. Rose, and then we break up into circles. Now, here's the question I want to look at today, all right? What's, how do you know? What's like the primary indicator? What's the proof that it's actually happening, that something's changing, spiritual formation is actually happening? I mean, meaning this is that what, what could you point to and go, oh, buddy, listen, I, I, used to, I went to high school with him. This is different. Something like on a God level changed in him or changed in her. What would you point to that, 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 that's different about them, okay? And, and again, the Bible's full of examples. Some of us, if you've been to church a while, you go, they're more loving, 
And that's a good answer, all right? They're more kind. They're more patient. They're more forgiving. Fruit of the Spirit. Yes, absolutely, okay? The, as, as, like an apple tree produces apples. If Jesus lives inside of you, you produce Jesus, okay? So that would absolutely be true. Or maybe you'd say this. Uh, uh, there's a thing in the Bible called uh, spiritual gifts. Jesus said, when I live, move inside of you, I'll actually give you an ability to do something to do what I need done in the world. And so you might go, you know, ever since he you know, started paying attention or she started paying attention to Jesus, they're a better leader, they're, they're better, I, I don't know, they're better, uh, they're, they're, they're just more compassionate, they're, they organize things better, they're, they're hospitality, they're a better teacher, whatever, whatever that is, okay? And that's true. And if, you, if that's what you're thinking of, that's how I know, good, good for you. But here's what we've been doing, it's like, so let's go back to the original though, to Jesus and what he was thinking, and then again, that very first church that has, you have to agree, whatever that first church was like, just one generation out of his head, that's the closest we're gonna get, because over 2,000 years, this can get all, jacked up all right all right so let's go back all right so what would what would we what would they have pointed to like right like what what was the primary indicator what did they point to as proof that spiritual formation was happening in that lady over there or in that family or that in that that man so I want to go back all right so we're gonna do a little bit of bible study and then we're gonna get really 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 uh like intrusive and uh, offensive and in your face all right <laughs> and then we're gonna go uh out to dinner that's what, that's the plan, okay? So, all right, so I'm, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 again. Acts is, is a, a book of the Bible. It's, it's short for actions. The actions of the very first followers of Jesus, the actions of the very first church ever, okay? And it's, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the biographies, and then the church starts, all right? So I'm going to give you two examples. See, it's a test, all right? See if you can figure out what people point to and go, they're changing. They're different, okay? So here we go, Acts chapter 2. And all who believed, okay, so that's important, something's happening, I have faith, and I don't know what level, but I have some confidence that Jesus is who he says he is, and keep his promises, that's what believe means. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds from what they sold to all as any had need, okay? So what, that, that's the first thing, all right, see if you figured it out yet. They believed and then they sold their stuff and then they gave the money to people who needed it. That's the first thing, okay? Let's look at the second one. Now the full number of those who believe, so that's everybody who said, I'm in. I'm in, I, I, I don't know why. Yesterday I didn't believe, today I believe. I have something clicked in my heart. I actually believe he is the son of God. I believe what he did on the cross counted for me. I don't have it much more figured out than that. I just know he's in my life and something's changing, all right? All of those who believed were of one heart and soul. So they were all united on, on this one thing. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his alone, but they had everything in, in common. So whatever it is that changed on the outside is directly tied to they believe something they didn't used to believe. And whatever that, they, this new thing that they believe now changed something in their heart so that whatever came out of them was different. Did you, did you pick up on what was different? Oh, I'll show you, okay, so here, all right? Here, this, this is what, right? So they, they saw their possessions and belongings in a different way. They no longer said their stuff belonged to them. They used to, they didn't give a flip about Jesus, mine, all right? But something changed and go, That's, it's just different now. Let me, let me put it a different way, how about this, all right? They saw themselves as managers or, or stewards, all right? So I'm just gonna take care of this, all right? Leveraging whose money? God's money, all right? I'm, I'm gonna take care of God's money and God's possessions and God's belongings that God had entrusted to them, all right? Not owners who saw their money and their possessions and their belongings as my stuff for me. Before Jesus did something in my heart, that was my stuff. You get near my stuff, we're gonna have a fight. But Jesus did something in my heart, 
And now I look at it all different. Now, here's what's going through our heads right now. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a money talk. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to invite you today. He never talks about money, but today he's going to talk about money. And, you know, and next week, maybe come back. Maybe you won't. I don't know. He's not going to talk about money. All right? So, so let, let, take a breath. Sit down. All right? In case you're going, gather your things. Get the kids. All right? All right. Um, whatever tension you're feeling right now, whatever emotion is coming up, it's not because of money. This isn't a money talk. Okay? It's a heart talk which is worse, right? This isn't money talk, right? This is more talk about, I'm gonna ask this question. What comes out of a person whose heart is being spiritually changed, reformed, transformed, conformed, whatever word you wanna use there, what comes out of a person's heart that's being spiritually changed by Christ? Not according to Jim, all right? I hate this talk, just so you know, okay, all right? So, but Jesus said it over and over in dozens of ways and dozens of different places. He says, you want to ask me? I'll tell you what, the greatest indicator of what's going on in a person's heart, if you want to know what they love and what they value the most, just look at where they point their dollars. Here's the famous thing he said, right? For where your treasure is, and he's not talking about your kids. Oh, she's my treasure. No, she's not. All right. For where your money is, there your heart will be also. So where your money is, that's what you love. And here's the thing is, Nobody disagrees with that. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. All right? I have this much money, and I love that. It's my favorite hobby. It's my favorite sport. I love, I love that truck. I love, I love her. What if she gets all my money? Whatever that is, what I love and what I say valuable gets a disproportionate part of my money than stuff I don't care about. Would you agree with that? All right? So, so file this away. Anything I say today, all right, if I applied to anything other than your heart, you'd agree with any other industry in the world, any other business, anything like that, you would go, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that either. Would, yeah, that makes sense, okay? Unless it comes to you. And this is where you guys want to run for the door. See, here's the other part, right? See, Jesus also said that money is his biggest competition for your faith. And here's what I mean by that. Your faith is, you know, if that happens or if that happens or if she does that or he doesn't keep his promises like that, who do I think or what do I think is going to take care of me the best? Right? See, I'll, I'll show you. Look at this. This is Jesus talking. Same talk, right? No one can serve two masters. We've tried that. I don't know who is in running my life. You can't serve. You cannot prioritize two masters. Here's what's happened. You'll either hate one master and love the other master, or you'll be devoted to the one, and then they'll despise the other. Here's what I'm talking about. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think you ought to say God and Satan. That makes sense. Duh. All right? Satan's not his biggest competition for your faith. Nobody walks around going, should I pray to Satan today or Jesus? No, none of us do that. I hope, all right? But, but, all right? but we do, it's, 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 who's gonna take care of me, God or money? All right, here, here's another one. Look at this, all right? It's the same talk. He says, so if, I really, if you really do trust me, if we're in, right, and I'm doing something in your heart, so don't worry. Don't live in fear. Oh, no, oh, no. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He's not minimizing that. Those are the basics of life. But... If, so, if Jesus really is who he says he is, don't do that. Why not? All right? For the pagans, they run after these things. And pagans are simply this. I, I, don't, I don't trust Jesus. Jesus who? I have no confidence whatsoever that if life gets hard or I'm, I'm in a bind, Jesus is going to do anything in my direction. All right? That's the reference to I have no faith. Okay? The pagans, they, you know what? If you're on your own, that, these are the questions you should spend your whole life asking. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But, but we're not going to do that. So look at this. Your heavenly father, and please look at that different now. It's not your father in a cloud on a castle that you're going to meet after you die. 
Your heavenly Father, the Father that's around you, like the air is around you right now, he's in you, he's around you, he's like right here, right? That heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. Need what? Food and drink. And Jesus knows it's cold outside. It's best if your kids sleep indoors. He knows. He's like, did, did, you, are you, did you remember that? All right, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he knows that. But here's what he says. But seek, and what's this word? Seek. It's so lame. Seek. First, all right, his kingdom, all this. What, what do you have for me, God? And his righteousness. And how many things will be given to you? How many? In all these things. What things? Food and drink and clothing, right? Be given to you as, as well. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dumb this way down to something. I'll get an email about this. Jesus knows that when the crap of life hits the fan. Jim underscore Bergen, right, 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 right. He says, listen, when, 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 when your life falls apart and you go, well, what about this? And what if, what if my kids get sick? And what if my wife does this? Or what if my husband you know, loses his job? And what if the economy goes south? And whatever? Listen, he goes, listen, the two top competitors for who's going to take care of me in the what if moments is Jesus and money. Am I right? It's just true. It's just true. So if I were to ask you, okay, is Christ being formed in your heart? How about if I say, hey, Jesus, is Christ being formed in his heart or her heart? You know, you know what Jesus, I was going to say, would say, but what he said over and over? You, you ask me if her heart's different? I don't know. Show me her bank statement, and I'll tell you who she loves. And the room went quiet. Right? It's just true in every area of life, except, except God. Now, all right, so I'm going to let everybody off the mat, all right? I have heard this teaching all my life and hated it. All right? Whenever I have sat in rooms like this and rows like this and people like me say, this is what Jesus said about money and faith and all this kind of stuff, I had two big responses, and I think I, I'll nail most of us in the room, right? The first one is I have a, a list of excuses. Oh, I get a pass. She should listen to this. Look at that diamond. But listen, all right? So, so listen, you don't know what's going on in my circumstances, and if, if my life was different, if my husband hadn't ditched me, and if my wife had done this, and if I didn't have cancer, and if, if I had a better job, and I should have had that job, but I didn't, you know, if my circumstances were different, then I would be able to do what I want to do. I have, uh, yeah, I, I've used every one of your excuses. I work for you, Jesus, and I can make a lot more money in the corporate world, so my, the gap there, that's my gift. I've actually told him that. And so have you. Right, so, so there you go. All right, so, so my first one is I make a whole bunch of excuses. The other one is I just get mad. And I can see you're mad at me. Some of you are going, why did we come to church today? All right? Here's what's going on in your head right now. Who do you think you are? Who, this is not why I came to church. Who do you think you are to say my heart is all screwed up because of my, where I point my money? So you, don't, you don't know me. You don't know my heart. I know my heart. You know, and in my heart, I think I'm a good person. You know, and you know what? And if things were different, I, and I'm going to, I have plans, you know. I'm going to make this right with God down the road as soon as I have some stuff I got to do first. I got to buy that and that and that and that and that. And I got to take care of that and that and that. And then that's going to probably happen. But if there's any left over, I'm, I'll make this right. Don't judge me. Who do you think you are? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. I will for all of us, all right? Right? Now, listen. None of this may apply to you. This may be just me working through my own head and my own stuff, all right? But this, this is so convicting to me, all right? Listen, I am not your Holy Spirit. Remember that? That's probably the best thing you ever heard in church, all right? But every once in a while, the Holy Spirit shows up and calls BS on my life. And it happened this week. 
All right? He calls me and goes, hey, let's talk about your excuses and all this emotion coming up in you. All right? So I'll give you this week's example. All right? Because it's not a one-time time. It happens all the time. Right? So I'm, I'm writing this talk. knowing I'm going to be talking about, about generosity and giving and things like that. All right? Right? And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell, tell a story that I told several years ago. A lot of you weren't here. Some of you will remember it. And I wish it was a one-time thing that happened like four years ago. But it happened again this week. It happens all the time. And everybody's going to be able to relate to this. Okay? So the other day, all right, I pull into the gas station and I'm gassing up my truck. I look up at the window of the, of the convenience store and I notice the Powerball is $40 million. That's a lot of money. I immediately start negotiating with God that if he will wave his Jesus wand, whatever that is, and help me win that, I start negotiating our split. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> it's not a one-time negotiation because in the, no, in, in the whole, the whole you know, like course of one tank full, here's a conversation with God. I started well. So spiritual. Meaning there's this, there's this concept in the Bible called tithing where God says, you keep 90 and give me 10. I went, buddy, I will flip it. I'll give you 90 and I'll keep 10. I'll give you $36 million, God, all right? And I'll just keep four little million dollars for myself, all right? And I'm sitting there feeling pretty good there at the gas tank. And then I started doing the math in my head. And after taxes, that's only 2.2 million. That didn't, that didn't seem right. And so I, thought, so I, went, I went his direction a little bit, all right? So I said, hey, God, how about 50-50? 50-50, I take 50, you take 50, do anything you want with it, and I will too, all right, right? And so 50, so, so 20, 20 million dollars. I did the taxes on that, it's 11 and a half million dollars. More than I currently have, all right? But can we be honest, 11 and a half million doesn't go as far as it used to, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just true, I got kids and grandkids, and I mean, I, I might be able to lease a jet, but I wouldn't buy one, but anyway, so anyway, so, so finally I landed on the biblical model. Hey, God, I'm going to keep 90 and I'll give you 10, all right? You're welcome, all right? And so, I, I, listen, this is how much I love you all. So I said, I will, I will give $4 million to Flatirons. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm done with my gas tank and I thought, you know, oh, I'm not done negotiating, all right? You know, um, if I were to give $4 million, people might look around that and go, well, I don't have to give anything now because Pastor Jim took care of it and I'm, and I'm kind of off the hook. And that would actually be selfish. It would interfere with your faith journey. <laughs> I know. This is how, be, all right? And so this is what I told God. I, I put the gas in and went, hey, God, you, give, you got me win $40 million and I'll cut you a check next Sunday for $100,000. you are welcome. I'm a good person. That's more than any of you gave. All right, so there you go. So now, I assume. All right, so now, I had that deal stuck, it, it struck with God. Here's what happens Tuesday. Okay, so I'm driving, I'm driving into work, and I'm going through my iTunes playlist of all this stuff, right? And, and I come across this one uh, called uh, Generous Giving. I had never seen this on my, he put it there, I think, all right, right? Because the date on it's 2006. It's been on there for 12 years. I've never noticed this before at all. And so I'm like, oh, let me click on it. And I click on it, and the person speaking at this conference is Andy Stanley, the same guy who gave us We Learn in blah, blah, blah. Whatever. All right, right, so anyway, so... So I'm going to listen to this. Here's his opening illustration. He goes, I, I had this feeling that God was speaking to me. Not literally, but in his head. You know, he, just, he, had, he had this question from God. All right? Here's the question that, that God asked him. It goes like this. Andy, how much money would I have to give you before you would give me back $100,000? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I almost drove my truck off the road. Like, ah, seriously, how, how much money... Would he have to invest in Andy before Andy would give me back $100,000? And he goes, or 30, or, or 10. I don't even think it's funny. I mean, here, here's why that's such a great perspe- question from God's perspective. 
Because the question is this, all right? How much money would God need to give me? How much money would he invest in me to see $100,000 given back into kingdom circulation for what he wants to do in the world? And here's why this is a really good question on God's behalf. Because if God is smart, and I assume he is, he might be able to give somebody else much less and get a better return than from me. Are you tracking with me? Because I, I already answered it. You want 100000 from me? 40 million is my number. <laughs> All right? And I did the math on that. 100000 is one-fourth of 1% 1 of $40 million. Right? Now, let me talk to all the people in this room that actually know what $40 million is, okay? And there's a few of you. You work in the business world, stuff like that, right? If you had $40 million to invest in a startup company or some stock or whatever that is, okay, would you go with the, with the investment where you're pretty sure not only are you going to lose your $40 million, but the best you can hope for is a fourth of 1% back in your direction? Anybody? Sign me up, all right? So listen, remember I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, all right? Jesus said if you were the kind of person that had just a little bit of faith, that if you saw a mountain in the way and it needed to be moved, you could say to that mountain, move, and it would move. But I also said this, how foolish would God have to be to give me that much power if I didn't have the character to handle that much ability, right? Because I would be throwing mountains everywhere. I'd be destroying your life and ecosystems, and I'd probably kill myself with stuff like that. So here's, here's the follow-up question with that, all right? How, how unwise would God be? And you know what? The original version is, I actually wrote this. I made him change it. How stupid would God have to be? And then I, I got real hot. I'm like, I can't say that. I, I don't mean that, Lord. How unwise. Let me just be dumb. To God, to give me his money, would I don't have the faith or the character to manage and steward it in a way that lines up even close to his heart? This is so convicting to me. I don't care if you guys get anything out of it. I do. But um, you know why? Because this reveals something in me I don't like. I can talk to you all about Jesus and how good he is. Listen, my fear is bigger than my faith. Most days. And I don't think I'm the only one, right? My fear, what do you mean fear? What, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And what, I mean, listen, God's taking care of me in the past, but I have no assurance whatsoever he's going to be there Tuesday if life falls apart and, and the medical bills come up and then this happens and I have to fly here and I, and I have to pay for this. And what, I use all the excuses and I point to a whole list of, hey, yeah, but God, well, I know you want to do this over there and, and it's important, but what if this and what if this and what if this? And I walk around God's thing because I'm afraid. But here's... Here's a prophecy because it's based on history. The moment that my world falls apart, the moment my finances hit the fan or whatever that is, or anytime I hit a huge bump, you know, the first thing I'm gonna do, I run to God and I go, I, listen, I know I've ignored you. I need you to jump into my situation and fix it now. And again, I don't think I'm the only one. I'm not the only one. Didn't, I have a broken oneer, but you know what I think a lot of us have? I have a broken truster, Right? So the question we've been unpacking for a month is this. If God's greatest goal in, in our life is to spiritually form us into the kind of people that he could actually trust, right? So what kind of person would we need to be or become? What would need to change? And what would it look like for us to see and leverage and steward you know, whatever it is that, that God has entrusted to us in a way that even lines up close to Jesus' heart? And that's what I want to look at. And then I want you to send you out of here and go, you just, this is between you and God, and then you're going to make a decision.
All right, so, so over, over the past month in here, we've used a lot of uh, farming stories. There's a whole lot of farming stories in the Bible. They're parables or metaphors because here's what, here's what we like. Jesus talked, used parables to compare unfamiliar things like this is how it works in God's world, all right, his kingdom, all right, and it's, it's like this thing you already know and farming would be one of those things. And so what we looked at over the last that month in here is, is this, is that he says, um, it's like a sower going out and sowing seeds, and he, and he puts the seeds in the, in the soil, and then he, and he covers them up, and then it grows, and it's a, it's a great harvest. And, you know, we just got to give it some time and some space for God to do what only he can do. I don't know how to make seeds grow, but, but God, that's his, his thing, okay? So most of the time, when, when Jesus uses that, that metaphor, these seeds are his truth, right? So Jesus says, this is true about you, about God, about the world, this is how things work, and that's like seeds, and the dirt represents our hearts, and some of it bounces off and go, I don't want that, and some of it goes in and just, it just takes off and just changes, changes our life, okay? so most of the time. Uh, but I want to look at a farming story that's not like that today. There's a couple in there that aren't. This one is a guy named Paul. And when Paul, uh, who wrote a big, like the last third of the Bible, so when he talks about seeds and soil, he's not talking about you didn't believe and then Jesus did something in your heart and changed it and it came and now you put your faith in Joseph. No, he's talking to people that already believe. So this is addressed to people who go, I'm a, I, I do, I have confidence in Jesus. He is who he says he is, and he'll keep his promises. He's changing my heart. I'm a different man. I'm a different woman, whatever that is. All right? And what, what the, this, the story is about is he says, listen, you say that, and I, you know that's between you and God, but I'm going to be honest with you. What you say you believe to be true about Jesus does not line up with what you do with your money. I, I just can't have them both make sense. Can you? And so we're going to look at this story all right, about farming but it's not really about farming, okay? Again, kids, see if you can figure it out, right? So here we go, right? So, so he's been talking for a while, and he finally goes, okay, just remember this. Let me just boil it all down. Whoever, we looked at this a few weeks ago, whoever sows plants, all right? Whoever sows sparingly, not much, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, everybody in here, again, believes that. with farming, all right, this spring, a lot of us can go outside and go, the yard needs some work, and you're gonna go out there, and here's what, if you plant a lot of stuff, your odds of reaping a lot of stuff go way, way up, but if you only plant one or two things, you're not gonna have a great, a great harvest, okay? So that, that's what he's saying here, except he's not talking about farming. And again, we all agree. You know what, we have a hard time saying that's the same thing as God and, and money. But according to Jesus, it's exactly the same. All right, listen, look at this, all right? No wise farmer ever said, I'm not gonna sow my seeds in the dirt because then I'll run out of seeds. No, no wise farmers ever said that, right? That, again, everybody agrees with that. See, the farmer knows the only reason I have these seeds right here is so that I can sow seeds in there so that later I can have what? More seeds. That's how it works, right, right? That's the only reason. But if I say, you know what, what about these seeds? I better keep these seeds in the barn just in case something happens. Two things are possible now, okay? One is, best case scenario, this is all it will ever be. And the second thing is this. If anything happens to this, thief comes in, robs, destroys, whatever that is, then you got nothing. And now what are you going to do next spring, Right? See, every farmer in here, every farmer, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, everybody who works in the yard knows this is true. Look at this. The wisest thing to do with seeds is to sow them generously into good dirt that will yield a good harvest. It's the smartest thing. 
Now, we're going to get philosophical, and some of you are going to have a hard time connecting the dots. This is big. Watch this, all right? What seeds are to a farmer, and you never would have put this together before, money is to God changing your heart. So, whoa. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you mean by that? It means as Christ is formed in you, the wise person sees their money is not there, but what God has entrusted to them. And if, if I hold on to it for myself now, this is all it'll ever be, and I'll probably, it'll just, it'll just kind of melt away. But if I were to sow it generously in God's direction, and then trust the one who actually gave me the seeds in the first place, everything changes. Okay, so look at this, all right? So, see if you can do the metaphor, okay? Generously, right? So, so seeds, everybody following me? Seeds, it works this way, okay? This is what God says, all right? Um, if you sow so generously in my direction, and here's what most of us do, all right? We, we do this. Pocket change. Here, 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 God, here's a bone. Oh, I made eye contact with the bucket person. What do you got? What do you got? What, boom, then you go, right? No, 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 no. That's not what he says. Ah. He says generously, all right? Which means, hey, I, I, God, you're, I trust you with everything I have. And I, I, you know, I, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I trust you. I'm not saying if you give God a dollar, you'll, you'll reap a hundred. It's not in the Bible. I heard that guy on TV. He's a liar. All right? So it just doesn't work, all right? See, here, here's, this makes sense, all right? When Christ is, why do that? Why do that? You don't have very much money. I get it. Why, why would anybody ever do that? Well, here, here's why. Because, because when Christ is formed in you, it changes your heart and you decide to do different things that you never would have done before because you trust him now. So when Christ is forming you and changes your heart, you decide to do different things with your money because you see money different. You know that you used to think money can do that for me and now I don't think it can because it hasn't yet. Didn't save that marriage. Didn't keep me sober. It actually contributed to a lot, right? But, but maybe, maybe I've been prioritizing the wrong thing. Maybe I ought to look to to someone else, all right? So let's, let's keep going with this, all right? So each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is not a pressure sales. I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm gonna do is send you home and go, you just need to think about this because this is absolutely tied to what God's done in your heart. That, that's, all, that's all it is, all right? But you need to decide in your heart to give, all right? Not reluctantly, oh, I feel pressure from Jim. Not under compulsion, I wanna go to heaven so I better, you know, better do this, all right? For God loves a what? Cheerful giver, all right? So, and we'll get back to that, right? But so your, your heart's different. You do different stuff. That just makes sense. I love, her, I love you. I didn't used to spend any time with you. Now I spend time with you. I, 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 you know, I, I, I love my kids. I, you know, there's not a rule that says I have to feed them. I just do. It's just what you do because my heart, they own my heart, right? But here's the other reason um, besides, you know, every time that we do this, I'm going to talk about this in, in, in a few minutes, all right, is that it grows, and it doesn't grow money, but actually, it, it actually makes it possible for the, the real seed, the truth, to go out, and the harvest is actually people going, I, I actually believe for the first time. That's the harvest, all right? But here's the other harvest. This is, I've missed this for most of my life, all right? Look at this. God is, what's it word? He's able. So he has the ability to do what, whatever comes next, right? And God is able to bless you how much? That's the opposite of a little. It's a lot, okay? God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you what? So this is, he's able, this is a promise. I can do it. I will do it, all right? All right, so you will abound in every, 
every good work. God makes you a promise. He makes you a promise. I'm not making this promise, so don't email me, all right? God makes you a promise that when you sow into what he's doing with the dollars that he, you have, not the dollars that you had if you won the Powerball, the dollars that you have, God is not just able to do it, but he promises to do, he will do something in the future that only he can do, something that in the past you thought dollars would do for you, and they never have yet, for the record. So, now look, look at this again, right? God is able to bless you abundantly. There's gonna test so then in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God says, I will, I will abundantly bless you. How? Let's look at it. I, I will abundantly bless you in how many things? You just got to let that sink in. Then say some. I will abundantly bless you in all things. How much of the time? At all times so that you will have how much? All that you need. Now let's just say that together. This is like... I need to hold on to that, all right? One, two, three. I will abundantly bless you in all things at all times so that you will have all that you need. So let's, come on, let's do this, all right? Emphasize all. Because some of you are going, and, and some things, and then sometimes, all right? One, one, two, three. I will abundantly bless you in all things so that you will have all Now, how is he going to do that? This is what everybody's going, uh-huh. Good luck with that, God, right? All right, how, how is he, listen, all right, if I, I don't have a lot of dollars, okay? So if I take some of these dollars, even if they're God's dollars, whatever, okay, and I point them in a really good direction, how do I know he's going to be there for me? How, how, listen, I know my life. How is he going to do it? Farming story, okay? Review. So a couple weeks ago, we looked at a guy who said he took some seeds, all right, and this is what he did. He took them, and he sowed them, and then he, he, he buried them, and then he went in the house and took a nap, and the corn grew. Do you remember how it grew? Here we go. Ready? Big, big, big statement. He knows not how. Hey, farmer, how'd that corn grow? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Here's what I do. Every spring I go out, I bury some corn in there, and two weeks later, I'm eating corn. That's all I know. I'm not in charge of that. How is God going to supply all you need at all times and all ways? That, I don't know. I don't even have to know. It's not my job to know. It's not my responsibility to know. You know what else is not my responsibility? I don't know how to make corn grow, but I eat it a lot, right? My responsibility is to plant seeds and trust the one who makes corn grow and makes promises like that. In the same way, God says, you just put me first. I don't, I put Powerball first and then you get a fourth of a percent, right, right, right? He says, you point your money in my direction first and I'm not just able to do it. I know how I'm gonna do it. I know what I'm gonna do it and I want to do it and I promise I will supply everything you need at all times. The question is not, do you understand how God is gonna keep his promise? I don't know. The question is, do you trust the God who promises that he will? It's not a money talk anymore. It's a faith talk, right? So the question is, is your faith bigger than your fear? Some days. But if the answer is, yeah, I do. I, I trust him to keep his promises. No one else is taking care of me like him. Then letting go and putting your dollars, more of your dollars towards his direction, it's not drudgery. It's wise. It's joyful. Paul says um, it's, you can do it cheerfully. Why? Why? There's no category in my life where I give my money away and I go, yippee. There's like, why? Why? Here's why. Here's the only why. Because when you give your money towards the things of God, God promises that you can have confidence 
That he will supply all that you need in anything that you face in all areas at all times in the future. When you do that, God says, listen, you, I, I, I'm, I'm watching your faith. And on the other side, I, I, prom- I will be there. Because here's what's going to happen. A day is coming when you're going to run into a big problem. It might be financial. It might be your marriage. It might be your addiction. It might be your kids. It might be your health. It might be whatever. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to do the same thing I'm going to do. You're going to run to God and go, God, I need you to get involved and I need you to help me. I've ignored you for a long time in a lot of parts of my life, but this is different. So can you just forget about the past and after this I promise I'll be better? We never are, right, right? Now, hear me really quick, all right? Giving money towards God doesn't buy grace, doesn't buy favor, doesn't buy help, all right? Not, not, Not at all, okay? What it does, though, is that I can face I can face the future with hope and confidence as opposed to most of the times I've gone to God with shame and embarrassment and I know, I'm sorry. Can you just forget about that? And can we just, all right? Because I've ignored you for a long time. I just need you to get involved in this. Now, you gotta gotta hear me, all right? I am not saying and God is not saying that if you sow $10 in his direction, you'll get $100 in the bank. It's not in the Bible. And God is not saying this, if you don't give me enough, then I won't help you later. That's not true. That's not what I'm saying, all right? Here's, what, here's the whole takeaway from this. The way to have confidence that God will supply all that you need in the future, it is, according to Jesus, it is directly connected to your choice to trust and obey God today. Confidence, you wanna have confidence that God's gonna be there for you tomorrow? Then obey him today, right? And the only thing that would stand in the way of you, you know, I wanna be a cheerful giver is, this is what I wrestle with all the time because my fear is bigger than my faith. The fear that God won't show up and he won't take care of me. And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this happens? So I better keep some money back from, you know, just in case God fails me. I better keep some seed in, in the barn. So the whole, the whole series is called, you know, what you want. So questions. What do you want to do? Right? Because you have a choice. And that choice will come out of whatever, whatever is going on in your heart. Right? I mean, that's what he said, right? So here's the questions. Do I want to live a fearful life? And apparently the answer is yes, because most of America is doing this. Christian or not, right? We are one paycheck away from losing our house, not being able to pay our, our light bill, our phone bill, our car payment, lease payment, whatever. If, if we're that close. And life is fearful, right? I, here's, here's what we'll I'm hoping that I can you know, earn enough and do enough, whatever, so I can get a big enough pile of stuff so that I don't have to be afraid if this happens and this happens. And if I have enough stuff, it'll keep all the bad stuff away. Has that worked for anybody? My marriage is falling apart and then I got a raise. I was addicted and then I found $100 and I'm not, no. How, how about this? Do I want to be a selfish person who sees what I have as my stuff for me? And again, a lot of us would say, apparently, because I work hard for my stuff. And I'm not going to, anybody tell me that I, I, I ought to do something with my, it's my stuff. I worked hard. Nobody gave this to me. I earned it. Yeah, okay. And the other one is, do I want to be a cheerful giver? And okay, we're in church. All right, so everybody's going, yes, Jim, we, we want to be cheerful. Yeah, all right, all right, good, all right? Most of us would say that. I, me too, all right? Me too. So based on the money that you currently have, this is where it gets so intrusive. All right? Not the money if you win the Powerball and if your, husband, your ex-husband, you know, catches up or, no, no, the money, based on the money that you have currently, 
If, if, if you wanted to become a cheerful giver, what are you willing to do now to see the, I want to be a whatever, become a, I actually am one. What are you willing to do? And what would sowing seeds like generously in a cheerful way, what would that look like for you? I'm not your Holy Spirit, but I'm gonna throw out some options, okay? Um, uh, some examples. Now, now, here's what I mean by that. I'm gonna give you an example because this is, this is really important, all right? I'm gonna use flat irons as the example, but let me just tell everybody here, all right? I say this every time I talk about money. If you don't trust flat irons with your money, find someplace else that you actually trust. Just don't use flat irons. Or I heard about this church in Ohio one time. Don't use that as your excuse to be a selfish person, my stuff or me. It doesn't work. You don't even believe it. Okay, if you don't trust us, find some place that you trust, okay? So, but I'm gonna talk about Flatirons, all right? Based on what God has done in your life through Flatirons, did you hear what I said? God did it, he gets all the credit and glory, but he did it sitting in rows at one of our campuses or online or whatever that is, all right? So just based on what God, and, and most of us would go, yeah, he's, it's changed me, him, us, whatever that is, all right? And based on the vision that I've been sharing with you over the last month about, about you know, I, I have this vision, Thousands and thousands of people sit in rows in one of our campuses so more and more people bump into Jesus and they go, he's not bad, he's good and I need him and I need him in my life. And then he comes in and he changes in their, their life and then they become a different man and a different woman. Then, then, then they get in a circle with, with friends and go, can we do this together? Like my friend at the gym, I can't do this by myself but if you'll link arms with me, I might actually keep my marriage together. What if thousands, tens of, hundreds of thousands of people did that, right? So, what, what, all right, so if, sorry, well, if God has changed your life, what, would you describe that what you give to Flatirons as money given generously in a cheerful way? And again, this is the most important, outside of my family, this is the most important reason I'm on the planet. And some of you are with me in this, right? I'm gonna be honest with you, and I'm not complaining, I'm just gonna give you the lay of the land. 20% of us give 80% of everything. And most of us don't do anything. Most of us, we come in here, we sit down, we get up. And you know, if you're new, that's what you're supposed to do. If you're wounded and you're crawling in here, that's what you're supposed to do. We are a hospital for broken people, right? So you do that. But if you've been coming here a while and you're going, God, this is changing my heart and my life. I'm a better man. I'm a better woman. Things have changed and things are healing. I have to believe that what God is doing, right, in my heart through Flatirons has a value in my life that's zero? Oh, you really want to be insulting? A quarter of 1%? If you came to me and went, hey, I got something for you, Jim. It's a quarter of 1%. You know what I would do? Why don't you just hold on to that, you selfish? I can't say that word in church, all right? So it's, if this is valuable, make a wise decision in your heart. What do I want to do and how do I want to live? And then do it. Do it. Like in an Acts 2 level, all right? You know, Christ is formed in my heart, and now I see money different. I used to see money as Christ. It saves me. But now, you know, I see money different, and I see Jesus different, and so I'm going to cheerfully do something different. Now, what would that look like? Practical steps. I'm going to give you some practical steps. You, you might want to take a picture of these. That's your cue to get your phone out, all right? So, uh, but I think you'll, you'll know who you are, okay? So how about this? All right, if you're not giving anything, so I'm talking to most of us, and for, for, for the record, the first 20 years I was a pastor, I didn't give anything. 
I rationalize it in my head, right? So I'm not throwing stones at anybody. If you're not giving anything, or you're throwing whatever spare bills or change you have in your pocket because you made eye contact back, all right? How about this? Get intentional and make it a value and a priority. How about if you're not giving anything? And I don't care if you're 13 years old, you can do this. Start at $10 a week. Does it have value? I don't know. What else costs $10 a week? Raise your hands if you spent, wait, we'll do it together. One, two, three, all right? $10 on coffee, beer, uh, movies, uh, soft drinks. They'll just, we'll throw those at anybody this week. This week, okay? So it has value. Nobody went to McDonald's or Starbucks going, I believe in that organization. I believe in the heartbeat of what they stand for. You didn't even think about it. You're like, I need caffeine. That's, that's all, right? You just did something for you, okay? I, I, so I, I threw out this illustration earlier today. I went, you know, so, like, so if you go to the movies, it's like $11. And somebody went, it's $18. i am like, what? So I don't know what the last movie you, you, you saw was. I don't know if it's Star Wars or Fifty Shades of, which you probably shouldn't have, whatever. Anyway, right, but... But um, so you, you, you threw 18 bucks at that. How, did, did it make your life better? Did it have any value, valuable impact going, my life is better because I saw a Jedi. What, you were entertained and distracted, but, but the value. I have to believe that what happens in this room has at least the value of a venti. I do. I, I do. And you have to go, no, it really doesn't for me. Re- really? Then, then we're not doing our job, and you should find a place that's better than... All right, all right how about this? Um, and I'm, this is so convicting. If you're giving something, just go up a little bit. I'm already giving $10. I'm good, all right? We'll give 10 more. <gasps> or how about this? If you're a percentage giver, go up 2%. My first, my second weekend here, we were broke. This church was broke 12 years ago. 12 years ago was my first day here, right? They actually said two months out of the year, we had to put payroll and bills on a credit card. I went, we're never gonna do that again. We laid three people off and I walked up on the stage across the street at Jack's and I went, hey, I need everybody to give $2 more. And people go, I, I never even thought about it. I thought, Brandon, Jesus, fairy dust. I don't know how this thing works, all right? It works like your house. You don't call Chase Bank and go, will you take prayer this week as a payment? No. No, I filled my tank up on faith. No, you didn't. All right, anyway, all right, so... Um, I'm sorry, I totally lost my train of thought, all right? Um, if you're a percentage giver, just go up, all right? I'll go first. I'll go 2% two, 2 more. You say, well, 2% of what? It's none of your business. My point is, whatever you're giving, go up 2%. I went into Michael, my, our, our finance going, and go, hey, I cannot ask anybody to do what I'm not willing to do. When we launched Bricks, I came clean with you all my finances, remember? And I'm saying, I'm saying I'll, I'll do it too. This is the most outside my family. This is the calling on. This is why we're on planet Earth, I believe, okay? Now, let me tell you this. If you've looked around, if you're new around here or whatever, and you, and you you've concluded, you know, look at this place. They got five campuses now. They don't need my money. They don't, they don't need, look, they're doing fine. I mean, I mean, um, either I'm a horrible communicator or you're not paying attention. See, Look, look at this. I'm probably gonna, this is gonna, in the next 10 years, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see no less than 100,000 people in Colorado sitting in rows in campuses every weekend and then huddling up in safe circles, all right? We're going to do that to see their hearts change, and, 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 and then they're going to change the world. I, I, so I, got, I, got, I, I think I have 10 years left before they go, okay, go, all right? All right, so, so in the next 10 years, you know what? What, what, if, what if we allowed to happen 100,000 Men and women and kids come together 
And God does something in their heart, and now they don't get divorced, and they don't cheat on their wives, and they're no longer addicted. And now some little boys have their dad stay home instead of running off all the time, and they have to raise themselves. And what if Christ in them does that? And what if whatever you sow towards that made it actual possible? How about this, all right? This is going to blow your mind. In the next 10 years, we're going to launch no less than two campuses a year. And I did the math. In Colorado, with land and building, that's $8 million a campus. And you know what? I don't even know what $8 million looks like. I asked for the Powerball. I, I, I don't, all right, right, but, you know, so, so you're going, that's expensive. I, I just don't think it can be done. I call BS. What, how, how can you say that? Because the week before Christmas, 20,000 of you raised $400,000 on a whim for some single moms and some fa- hurting families that give them, give them hope, all right? And if you break that down, it's $20 a person, which means if everybody at every one of our campuses gave another $20 a week, all right, we could pay for a brand new campus every 20 weeks, every five months. Not start one, pay for it. Well, we could do that, all right? Now here, I'll be honest, there's a time in my life, and some of us are doing the math in our head, I, there, $20 a week, would, that would be the biggest leap of faith I've ever taken with God in my whole life. I know. And there's a time in your life you never would have considered it. But you had a different heart then. And Jesus now lives in your heart. And he says, I'll take care of you. Trust me, right? Now, I'm, now I've got eight seconds left, and I'm going to go a little bit more because I'm fired up. All right, so I want to talk to the, to the third of the room that it totally intimidated me because I grew up poor. There were literally railroad tracks in my t- town, and I lived on the wrong side. And so rich people have always intimidated me, and I didn't feel like I could run with them until I have this vision and I have this confidence in what God's going to do in this place. Let me talk to you. Some of you could write a check for $8 million today and not really feel it. Really, all right? You know why you haven't? Not because you're greedy. Here's why, right? Because you've been waiting on God to give you a vision for something worth pointing a lot of dollars toward that you believe will be a good investment. It's this. It's what God is going to do in flat irons, in rows and circles over the next several years, and I'll lay my life on it. See, here's how I know that, because I told about this last week on Sunday. Um, a little small group in uh, South Fork, Colorado, follows us a week delayed, and they heard about Christmas, and there's like 10 of them got together, and they, they raised money, and they bought a, a poor single mom a car, and they're going to do it again. So that's what a few people can do together. But this is going to blow your mind. So, th- so somebody, I don't know him. I've never met him. If he walked up to me in the lobby, i go, who? All right. Oh, you're that guy, right? All right. So, and I tell you that because you're, when I'm about to tell you this illustration, you're going to go, yeah, but he's probably your buddy, and, and he's probably, you like, pressured him and guilt-tripped him and blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. It, again, I don't, I don't even know his name. He owns a car dealership. And he goes to one of our campuses, and I don't know which one, and I don't even know what car dealership it is. But here's what he called in and said, listen, hey, I heard about what we, you know, what we did with the, with, the, with the cars and stuff on Christmas. Just don't stop. I will donate four to six cars a month forever, and let's just keep on going for whoever needs a car. Now, that's what happens on a big level when God changes a person's heart. Now, here's what's, okay, and he doesn't want applause, you know? You know whose heart got changed the most? His Right now, somebody going, well, yeah, well, if I had a car dealership. No, you, no, you wouldn't. All right, listen, all right, hey, listen. So not, no one, no one can do everything. No, I can't do that. I can't give away four or six cars a month. No one can do everything. But at the same time, can anybody really say, I'm not doing anything? Any, really? Really? If God is spiritually reforming your heart in the same kind of heart that beats in the heart of Jesus, the first indicator, according to Jesus, is 
I see my stuff different, and I use my stuff because it's really God's stuff. He's entrusted me, and I'm gonna sow seeds. I'm not gonna look at my stuff from me. So here, I got two more questions, and then we're getting out of here, right? How much would God have to give you before you valued him enough to generously give something back in his direction? You know what? That's a hypothetical. How about this one? How much has he already given you, and what have you decided to do with it so far? And that's what puts me on my knees. So think about it, right? So let's end on a happier note. I wrote a poem. I'm never, I don't write poems very often. I'm kind of proud of this one. Thanks very much. All right, get your cameras out because it's going to be like, oh, it's my screensaver now. All right, so um, it's really corny, but it makes the point. Look at this. God knows what you need. God wants what you need. And that right there, it's like, I forget that all the time. I think God's going, I don't know. You should eat today. Now, what? All right, so listen. God knows what you need. God wants what you need. But the way you receive is in faith. And it's the rhythm, I should say, so you're But I got to put that word in there. Because what I want him to do is his part first, and then maybe I'll show up. Right? God knows what you need. God wants what you need. But the way you receive is in faith First, sow your seed. Let's personalize that. We're going to say it out loud. Then we've got one more thing, and I'm going to get in trouble for going late. Here we go. All together. One, two, three. God knows what I need. God wants what I need. But the way I receive is in faith. First, sow my seed. you got your program with you. Look at it, okay? I want you to take this home. There's three blanks right there in the middle. Get one on your way out. No one's going to see this. You're not going to turn it in or anything like that. So this is you. I make this much money. You gotta write it down because I don't know, I never really thought about it. I just, just you know, my wife takes care of it. Well, grow up here and get, find out, all right? I, I sorry. I, <laughs> welcome to Flatters. I, I make this, I, and I give this much money. And this week, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pray. I'm, I'm gonna, this is gonna change. And I'll never know what that is, all right? Um, so you wanna be a generous person? Here's the first thing, right? Don't change anything yet. Okay, here's your assignment. And then we're, there's no more songs. I went long. They, they cut the song. All right, so between now and the time you come back in here next week, how many of you this past week went through a drive through window? Go. Okay, I don't do drive through Well, good for you. I do. All right, for you too. All right, so between now and next week, here's what I want you to do. Go to the drive through window and pay for the car behind you. And when they go, well, why? And this is what you say. I'm just trying to be a more generous person. And then drive away. Don't talk anymore. Well, Jesus was doing, shut up. Don't, don't. All right? Just like, all right? Don't do that, okay? And you don't have to go, well, it's $400. They bought breakfast for their office. Then go, oh, okay, next time. All right, and go, all right? Let's be real. Okay, let's be real. I'm not going to do that either, okay? So now, now I say one of three things is going to happen between now and next week. One is you're going to go to drive through to, to, tonight and you're going to do it. And your kids are going to go, Dad, why'd you do that? Mom, why'd you do that? And you're going to have a great teaching opportunity. I'm trying to set you up for a win, right? So that, that's one thing, okay? And then you're going to drive away from there going, yeah, God's got this, okay? Here's the other thing is you're going to have a moment of truth when you're ready to pay, and God's going to remind you this, and you go, oh, I, 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 I. No, nothing, go ahead. All right. And then you're going to drive away, and then you're going to just go, ah. Or here's the, here's the worst thing. 
you're not even going to think about it until you come back in here next week and go, oh, I, I forgot, which is the most convicting thing. I don't even think about being a better person or a generous person, especially giving my money away to people I don't know. They probably don't even need it anyway. And that's my heart. Okay? And then we'll come back in here and just see what God did. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray. And you're going to run. <laughs> go get the kids. <laughs> or go to McDonald's. All right. Um, everybody's going to look for my truck. Get behind Pastor Jim. He'll pay. Right? <laughs> All right. God, you're so good. And uh, this is so convicting because it's just real. It's where we live. Not everybody has good, you know, marriages that look like this. None of us have kids. None of us, none of us have this going on or that kind of job, whatever. You know what we all do? We all have some money and we have to point it at a certain thing. And we all have to make a decision about who do we trust more. And that's where, that's where life really happens. It's not hypothetical. It's not in a church. God, in this church, you do amazing things. And I can't think of anything better to see a harvest come back in your direction than invest in something that you're doing in a place like this. So, God, it's between you and them, and you and me, and I pray that it's a good wrestling match. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks.